Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and on my right-hand side is my right-hand man, Gabriel. Hello! And today on the Rock Metal Podcast... Hello. Today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Death Perception, and they have a new album called Ashes, released on June 18th via Wormhole Death Records. And right now I'm being joined by Nathan to share some more information about this stellar release, as well as what the boys have got going on. We'll chat about a couple of tracks here as well. So Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely great to have you on. Now, kind of a funny one is Wormhole Death there in Italy. You're a Canadian in Canada. How in the world did this a partnership happen? Were you guys shopping around when you finished the album, or what happened? Yeah, we were looking at a lot of labels, and uh, it just so happens that um, we played a show in Cuba with Mephisto, and uh, they signed with this label as well. So I got in touch with them and asked them, uh, you know, what do you guys think of your label so far? And they said uh, they recommended it to me. So I reached out and uh, the rest is history. It sure is, baby. Yeah, I know Mephisto. And uh, that's cool. Playing a gig in Cuba. This this strange word you said, playing a gig. This must have been years ago before gigs were outlawed. Uh, we played in 2016. Yeah. yeah, when we met them, it was 2016. <laughs> before gigs were outlawed. They're having political unrest right now, so we wish them uh, a safe recovery. For sure. Yeah. A few things going on in that part of the world, as well as a few other parts of the world. Real, real crazy time. Um, um. <laughs> yeah, big long um. Sweet. Okay, so you mentioned you were asked them, smart question, right? You reach out to a band. How do you like your label? You get the gist of it. What was it that struck you about that label? And the reason I'm asking is because... So many bands don't trust labels. So what made them so trustworthy? Okay, well, well, for one, it, it helped having the uh, brother band, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of see, because they're a little bit ahead of us, you know, um, how is their release going? What kind of things are they doing? Um, but also, when I looked at some of the other bands, like uh, some of the other labels, I looked at like uh, one from New York, it's, it's a hardcore label. We don't really fit that. And then, okay, some other, you know, you got to look at the roster and you go, are we like these bands? Is this, uh, you know, could we go on tour with these bands? And then you start going, okay, we're kind of more on the death metal side. We probably don't want to be on a label that's with like emo bands, mm-hmm. right? So then uh, when we looked at their roster, it's just, it, they're all these bands are, they're awesome. I, I couldn't imagine a, a better roster really for the, you know, the underground death metal scene. It's, it's a perfect fit for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess kind of a wonky question, but since you mentioned underground death metal scene, are you looking to come above ground or are you looking to stay underground? Well, I think everyone's looking for, uh, you know, the, their breakthrough moment, whatever that may be. Okay. So of course, yes, of course. Okay. Yes. No key, key question. Cause I have chatted with bands who strictly want to stay in the underground and they write their music to stay underground and so on and so forth. So I was just, just curious. I think that um, maybe our style might separate us from some of the other groups because we're kind of towing that line between, you know, something you can play for your, say your grandma and your grandpa Mm -hmm. and uh, something that's going to freak them right out. I think we're kind of in that between zone where you can still kind of understand what we're doing. And I think that kind of gives us uh, some type of competitive edge, maybe in the the death metal scene, without mm-hmm. being too too mellow. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a tricky tricky line to run, baby. 
Now, taking us into that album, Ashes, what did you guys set out to create? You kind of mentioned it for a little bit there um, in something that you, your grandmother can listen to, but she's still kind of freaked out. <laughs> what went into crafting this record? <laughs> and is there a theme, a concept? Yeah, what happened is um, this is a collection of songs, uh, probably from the last five years or so. And um, during that time, we've lost a lot of people in our lives. Um, we've lost, you know, one of the guitar players lost his wife. The singer lost his dad. The other guitar player lost a, a dear friend. And some of these songs, I think they already had the dark edge to them. But when they were completed, it kind of forms like a theme, like a theme of loss. And that goes along with our, you know, our album art. There's, uh, you know, a girl putting ashes into a, in, in an urn. And I think, I think without intending to have a theme, I think it all came together like that, and maybe maybe unintended, but it really, uh, you know, you you kind of wanna with ashes, you wanna kind of remember and cherish and and honor these memories, but you also kind of wanna close the door on that, and move forward, and I think that album, this album also does that for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that what the track "No Tears for the Dead" is about? I think uh, that one's touching on some of the the war topics, um, particularly when I read the words. I, I didn't write the lyrics for this one. This was our singer wrote the lyrics, and I envision um, Middle Eastern war. You know, a kid kind of cleaning up the blood of his parents. That was some of the uh, the lyrical content. It's a little bit vague. You can kind of put it to whatever you want, but that's that's how I see it when I listen to the song. I, I imagine being in a war-torn country and, and having to live through that. Okay. Bleed to Death, did uh, you write any lyrics on this guy? No, no. This is, this is half um, Dana, our guitar player, and half Kyle, the vocalist. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from the perspective of someone uh, battling mental illness, um, kind of slowly going insane, maybe not knowing, you know, you don't know with the song, are they hurting themselves? Are they hurting someone else? You don't really know because it alludes to that. But when the, the double vocal comes in, is that their subconscious speaking or is that another person? And then that's kind of where it's a little bit open-ended. Okay. We're covering quite a few topics on this record, personal uh, loss as well as potentially war-torn loss, um, as well as uh, mental illness. We're covering quite a few, quite a few topics here, Nathan. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad the, uh, the songs turned out like a diverse package to take you on a journey, and, and it wasn't, you know, we're not talking about monsters and demons. It's, it's a little bit more real. I think that kind of touches home a lot more for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, unfortunately taken away to speaking of, you know, a war-torn Middle Eastern country, what's going on right now in Afghanistan and how real that is for a large group of people right now at this very moment. Sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I couldn't imagine being there myself. Yeah. You know, you see some of the pictures, but you don't, you don't see the whole picture. You don't live it unless you, you've been there. Yeah. Okay, let's get on to the drums, because I believe that's your department of expertise. Is that correct, Nathan? Sure it is. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Now, take us through the drums on this record. What did you set out to create? Are you more of a melodic drummer, a groovy drummer, 
uh, technical drummer? What happened? Um, I think I always approach a song kind of like um, old school thrash. You know, the Metallica, the Slayer, you know, just banging it out quick. You know, uh, Anthrax, whatever, right? That style. I've been struggling a lot myself to grow in the the directions of more technical or, you know, letting go of the fact that every song doesn't have to be fast. Because I've, I've put my whole uh, drumming career with that in my head, that faster the better, I want to bang it out, I don't have room for slow songs on an album, and uh, uh, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's good to have a, a, um, a different kind of view than maybe the other members in the band, yeah. but uh, I think they force me to grow, and I think I also force them to grow a little bit too. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the cool thing when I think about that old school thrash, especially Metallica and Slayer, I could probably, if I dig deep enough, maybe find some others in like Exodus or Anthrax or whatever. But Or maybe Motorhead. Motorhead would not be thrash metal, but um, we were just chatting about Motorhead the other day. Um, I know. I know. Fast drumming. Yeah, fast drumming though. Yeah. Uh, on the, like, almost like the cart's about to fall off the, you know, the, the track kind of thing. Um, with Motorhead, sure. like it could tip, it could tip over at any moment. Um, but one of the things I really liked about Lars, especially in Metallica and the Thrash, was that he sometimes did basic beats. So you know, made room for the vocals and made room for the song. And uh, same thing in Slayer. I can't remember the their drummer's name in the '80s, but there were moments where it was like, well, that's just a basic beat, or he's just doing something really cool on the ride, but he's doing something simple somewhere else, so we can really hear what he's doing on the ride. And I really appreciated that as opposed to just the whole song. Sure. You know? Yeah. Cool. I think Slayer really uh, showcases the fills. The yeah. fills are just amazing. Yeah. You know, maybe he's just hanging back during the vocals, but those fills are going to get you. They certainly will, sir. Now, um, how much time do you spend thinking about things like fills when you're making a record? Like how many fills did you write for this record? Um, I think they kind of come with time. You, you bang out the song, you figure out what kind of beats you want to do, and then the fill should kind of uh, let you know when the next part's going to come, right? So yeah. um, as an example, our song Final Breath, it's probably got the maybe the coolest fills of the album because they're just, it's it's in the middle and the, the bridge part, it's pretty groovy. And all of a sudden these fills are like, and yeah, it took five years to figure out, okay, this is the fill I want and I'm not changing it. Yeah. So uh, I don't, I don't think the fills come first. I think they're the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Very true, baby. All right. So the kick and the snare, they're the cake and then the fills are the, the icing. What about symbol work? Do you, are you, are you one of those drummers that has like a gargantuan kit? Like people, like they come into the studio, you're going to go play a gig and they look at you like you're crazy. Cause you got 20 symbols and 13 toms and, I know, like, we we were working on a mix that month, and we were, like, separating the symbols, so, so, like, we were, like, listening to, like, what's a splash and what's a china, Mm. and we were doing splash one or splash two, and one of the sounds was, like, a splash, and the other one was, like, a hi-hat, and they were both on the same track. So can sure. I have like a picture of your drum kit, please? Oh yeah. So we are part of a mixing group and we got some tracks from a, a band and the producer had put spot mics on lots of cymbals. So we had overheads, room mics, and then spot mics on 
a bunch of symbols. And so it got to a point where it was like, can I get a picture of this drum kit so I can see where these things are supposed to go? Because I'm otherwise trying to listen to the overheads to figure out where splash one is and splash two is. And sure, you know, but yeah, initially it's pretty complicated. Yeah. What kind of a setup did you guys have? I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm quite the opposite. I feel like, uh, in order to maximize speed, I need a really simple kit. Mm -hmm. I want to keep it really basic. I play the normal five piece kit, what you find in a store. Um, I do have a couple extra symbols. Uh, I need to have my China and stuff like that. I, I find that I do prefer uh, ride crashes because I like to ride on them. If the symbols are too small, it doesn't work with my style. Mm-hmm. Um, I would prefer to even make my kit somehow smaller. Um, I, I'm thinking about, about building something with maybe 18-inch bass drum, so it's lower, it's smaller. I can bring the toms closer. Mm-hmm. I don't like reaching. I don't, uh, you know, I've played some big kits on tours and, and I always, you know, cut a finger. Or, you know, it just feels like you're exerting yourself for no reason. So, yeah, I think I think the toned down stuff works the best for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything you're saying makes sense, especially for death metal. Because you don't need a yeah, big... Yeah, I've, uh, you, you know those jazz drummers, they take one of the uh, the toms off. And they put the ride there. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that. You yeah. know, I, I encounter that a lot. And no, I, I need all the toms. Okay. You know, you got to do fills. I'm not, I'm not the Beatles. Yeah. But you know, I find the halfway. You know, add a couple symbols. You can accent yourself. Yeah. And and keep it simple. Cool. All right. So so far we have chatted about Wormhole Death, joining Wormhole Death, and then uh, the partnership with uh, Mephisto. I think that's how you say your name, right, Mephisto. Mephisto, Mephisto. I'm I'm not sure how you want to pronounce it, but uh, it's the same band regardless. They're they're great. Exactly, baby. Uh, we chatted about them. We chatted about Wormhole Death. You guys joined Wormhole Death. Um, you're happy with them, so the recommendation was good. Uh, we chatted about building a drum kit. We loosely chatted about recording drums. We chatted about Bleed to Death. We chatted about No Tears for the Dead. The Lyric videos slash music videos for those will be available in today's show notes. So if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening in, in the show notes, there should be links to those videos. If you're watching on the website, therockmetalpodcast.ca, or on YouTube, once again, in the show notes down below, you should be able to see a link to the boys' Bandcamp page, as well as links to the two videos for Bleed to Death and No Tears for the Dead. Nathan, is there anything I missed that management said we had to chat about and I didn't hit it? Uh, I think that's that's pretty much it. We are uh, very excited to start uh, filming a music video, a full music video, full production with Dark Moon Productions from Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take place maybe at a farmhouse. Uh, I think that's all the real details I'm going to throw in there, but it might be for a, another song, maybe a black metal feel type song off of our album. Okay. And uh, starting at the end of September, so Beautiful. we're we're very much looking forward to to beginning the journey of that one. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Thank you.